0: Good evening. This is the Black Republican, Black Democrat Show, and I'm your co-host, Patlin Lawrence. And my other half is... not Jamar Nelson. Yeah, I'm not Jamar Nelson. He's, he's, he's on his way. Uh, but we have a fantastic show uh, for you guys today um, on Cinco de Mayo, also the Kentucky Derby. Uh, so great. You know, for my company, I, w- I was in the uh, Cinco de Mayo parade out in St. Paul. So, you know, that was, that was actually quite fun. Uh, to do I got to hold the placard and the stagecoach was behind us and yeah it was it was actually very very nice and got to see all the people and a lot of people don't know the synergy between um, uh, enslaved people in America and uh, the battle that took place that you know Cinco de Mayo is celebrating that you know the French wanted to um, were, were going to support the south or in fact supporting the south um, and because of this battle um, which they lost Uh, there in Mexico Um, that actually was to the benefit of enslaved people um, in the south in terms of the Confederacy because the French were going to uh, wanted the south to uh, break away and then um, use uh, the enslaved people in terms of you know the cotton getting the cotton and all and sending it to France so there's actually a lot of synergy between what was going on uh, between Mexico and uh, enslaved people and also the president of Mexico at the time um, he also um, invited some of the uh, Gullah Geechee, we know them as the uh, Seminole, but they were in mixed with Gullah Geechee people. Those are my dad's people from South Carolina. Um, and the natives in Florida um, invited them to come down because of the wars that were going on. Uh, between them and the US government. Um, So there's actually a lot of synergy. So actually, it's one of those days where African Americans should, you know, be proud, uh, you know, when other people are celebrating their heritage, you know, actually something that they should join in, kind of like with the Haitians and the Haitian Revolution and how that increased the size of the uh, United States, uh, because, uh, you know, France sold um, the Louisiana Purchase, Thomas Jefferson, back in, I believe it was 1802. So, uh, so yes, we're going to have our first guest. Our first guest is uh, Kim Crockett uh, from the Center uh, for the American Experiment. Uh, she's their uh, senior uh, policy advisor and also their uh, legal counsel. And she's going to come on and tell us about this exciting event that is happening uh, on Tuesday. I'm going to be attending it, uh, but we are going to bring her on to tell us all about it.
1: Hey, good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon. How are you?
1: Very good. I, I tucked into my garage just in time for the storm. Visit. Yeah, I did. yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was like, "What
0: happened?" It was so nice for most of the day. We got up to a little uh, about what eighty-two degrees or so, and very yeah. sunny. Yeah. Now God. it's like, ooh.
1: Just wash the car and look at the sky. Yeah. And then, oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what's inside. going
0: on? So what's going on? What is going on on Tuesday?
1: Oh my gosh, Candace Owens. So we're sitting in a staff meeting, boy, months ago and thinking, you know, who would be a young, exciting person for us to bring? We do these quarterly lunches.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, usually downtown. Yeah. And and we have, you know, lots of people who come from our from our members, but we also these wonderful donors who buy tables for young people to come and, and listen. And we're trying really hard to talk to to young folks. Yes. And uh, we thought, oh, Candace Owens would be great. Mm-hmm. And um she's just very articulate and she's so bold. And and then we picked her and we knew we figured we'd have, you know, maybe hundred and fifty, you know people, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes we hit more and then Kanye West tweets yeah. out, you know, how many weeks has it been? Um, I like the way she thinks. Thanks, yes. And there's just been this, uh, you know, Twitter storm mm-hmm. uh, as well as other storms. And, uh, you know, we're just grinning ear to ear. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Do you have had a
0: hand in it?
2: With, <laughs> uh,
1: you know, we're down at the Marriott uh, on, on Tuesday the 8th. Okay. I get to I get to sit with you. Yes, I'll asked, be there. Yeah. Um, if you could please be at my table, and uh, other really great people uh, will right. be there. I'll get to introduce you to, and I just think it's going to be very exciting. And we're all going. Well, maybe Kanye West will show yep. up, but Candace yep. yep. Owens is, is you know good enough. Yeah, so, so I'm I- very excited to meet her. Um, and I, bo- I I don't know that we've marked it as sold out yet. I think we okay. might still be able to squeeze some folks in. Oh so great. Go great. to our website, it's actually Center of the American Experiment, and just you'll see Candace's beautiful face right on the, the front page mm-hmm. on the right hand side, and you can tap on that. It'll take you to how you can register for the event. Um, and we love we'd love to have as many people as possible. I think we're I think we're getting up to about four hundred.
0: Great. That sounds so, great. And you guys do great events. You just had one actually a few weeks ago, I think it was your annual event, if I'm yeah. yes, with uh, Tucker Carlson. Was yeah, that? He's so
1: charming. He had yes. such a good time. Yes, yes. He he loves Midwesterners. Mm-hmm. He married one. He's married to a gal from, from Michigan. He's just grinning ear to ear mm-hmm. the whole time. Okay. And I don't think he had, you know, Remarks particularly prepared, but he mm-hmm. was super sharp.
0: Yeah. Oh, and yeah. He's funny. Yes. He's really good. I really like Tucker. Yes. He so we
1: really had like 12, 1200, 1300 people at the convention center for that. Yes. It was a really fun night. Yeah. yeah, that's our big, that's one of our big fundraisers. We, we actually
0: had a lawyer call oh. in, actually, during cool. that, because uh, we were on the air, because actually I was thinking about going, and then I realized I had the uh, show, so yeah, so I wouldn't right. have been able to make it, it would, I would have missed, like, most of the program, uh, but I went the previous year, um, when uh, Senator Cotton um, was um, was here, so.
1: Right. Yeah, right. and that
0: was very good, that was very good, so, um, so yeah, the work We've you guys had... do was fantastic, Um, that the, Great. you know, Center for the I American Experiment. So. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, so we definitely want to have you on as a guest at some point. I know we've been talking about dates and trying to work things out.
1: I know. Um, We'll make it happen. (laughs) We can compare calendars on Tuesday. I know I owe you a a response because I want to come. What I want to come on and do at some point, and and others at, at the shop could do so, what we love about Candace Owens. Mm-hmm. And this is. I hope this doesn't sound strange, but I don't think it will to you. Jamar and I would probably have some good fights about it. <laughs> him. He and I have battled on the radio a few times. But what I love about her is that she's done something that I have been so hopeful about. I was born in 1960, so I'm a okay. Hubert Humphrey, Minnesota kid. Okay, right? mm-hmm. And I, I'm really disappointed about where we are at yes. this point in history, almost 60 years later. Mm-hmm. I'm, my heart's kind of broken about it. And then you get somebody like Candace Owens comes along.
0: Yes. And she's uh, fantastic. I've known about her for I think probably about a year or so. Um, that yeah. i've been following her and uh... she you know she's fantastic like you said she's very articulate she's very sharp uh, and, and as an african-american kind of i love that especially as a uh, that you know as a black woman that's very vocal uh, you know conservative principles something that you don't really hear but that's kind of like my aunts and my mom's generation my grandparents you know kind of you know the way that she's exhibiting that and so i'm kind of i'm kind of uh... starstruck a little bit <laughs> uh... Me, well, with her but too, she's fantastic
1: what she has done—this mm-hmm. sounds strange because I need to learn how to express it—she owns her U.S. citizenship. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Yes, she she does not see herself as second class. That's right. Or in a bigger position. As she mm-hmm. puts it: I am not a victor, I, or victim. I am a mm-hmm. victor. Exactly. And this is what we've wanted. This is what mm-hmm. we've been fighting for. And I see the collective we. There's yep. still people out there yeah. who aren't with us on this. Yeah. But she owns her US. Yeah, and unfortunately, and not a uh, no,
0: no, you're right, you're and I agree with you, but unfortunately you a lot of African Americans don't feel like they're even some will say we're not really citizens and then I have to walk them through the history of why we are and you know when all that occurred and yeah. uh but you have to take and ownership of it, you, you know? You
1: have to own it. it yes, and, and maybe you have to do a little bit of forgiving. Of what has happened, maybe, maybe, maybe there has to be a lot of forgiveness that goes on, and maybe that's part of what the conversation I'd love to have with you guys. Okay, where we forgive one another for terrible things that have happened, but at some point you got to move beyond it. Yeah, well, you don't own your citizenship, and you don't have the power of that. And it's so exciting to see a young woman do that. Yes, and um, it's so. I'm just.
0: Well, our guest that we're having on after you, our main guest for the uh, for the show, he's actually going to be talking about, you know, wealth and the numbers. And packed and into that is kind of why a lot of people don't feel fully included. And so, you know, yeah. there are some things that have happened or because of things that have happened in the past that is the reason why, you know, particularly African-Americans are in the situation that they're in. But I think by knowing the history and then seeing a way forward, we can look to the past and the things that we did to improve and move forward. To then you know to you know not only improve our station here in the us but to be beneficial, and I think getting elected officials policymakers um you know on board is the is the key to that
1: right so, so um yeah. yeah, I mean you can i i I'll, I'll listen and we have
0: thirty hear, seconds
1: <laughs> here it, it's a complicated tale, yes, but you know, until you put it out there and say this is my goal, mm-hmm. you won't hit it. Yeah, you know, it's true of right. all of us. That's right. And and look at all the people that want to come in and live
2: here. That's right.
1: Um, that's that's one of the ways to look at it. To look at it too. So anyway, we're right. excited. Yes. Um, to have a chance to tell your audience about it, and uh, I think there's still. Some room left, so check up. But I would go on the website like this weekend, all right? Um, be, because I think it's gonna sell out. And I look forward to meeting you yes. now. Now, is Mr. Nelson going to join us? On um, Tuesday, well,
0: or? I have to talk to him about it. Well, I have to okay. talk to him about it, but but
1: thanks for coming on.
0: We got to uh, go to oh, break here, welcome. but thanks for coming on. Looking forward to it on uh Tuesday, uh, which is what May 8th at the Marriott
1: at the Marriott Minneapolis going down in the in in oh, the city center on 7th street. And by the street. Thank you for the history lesson up front. That was very interesting and I I will have to dig into that. Maybe you can tell me a good place to to go and read about Tango de Mayo yes. and that whole connection with that. Right. That was fascinating. You're a smart, guy. All right, thanks.
0: <laughs> All right, thanks, Kim. Welcome back. This is the Black Republican, Black Democrat show. This is your co-host, Patwin Lawrence. So now we have our uh, guest for the evening, uh, Dr. Jermaine Toney. He's going to come in and talk to us about wealth in the African-American community. Um, There was a study that dropped uh, a couple weeks ago. I mentioned it the week that Saturday that uh, that the uh, – Uh, document dropped from Duke University and I actually reached uh, reached out to Dr. Darity and uh, Dr. Uh, Hamilton's, they were kind of the leads on that study, and they said you know what we can't come on your show but we know a great guy that uh, would be fantastic, especially you're from uh, in Minneapolis, uh, to kind of talk about these numbers and what it means and our wealth position and then also some solutions uh, which in our last segment we're going to talk about what are some solutions to this. So Dr. Tony are you there?
3: Yes, I'm here. Thank you for thank you
0: so much for having me on the show. Yes. Well, no, glad glad to have you. I've been waiting for this discussion like all week. I've been waiting because it's a much needed one. You know, I, I worked uh we had an organization here. It's uh it was called the uh Council on Black Minnesotans, uh which is now the Council for um uh, I believe a Council for Minnesotans of African Heritage that so there was a name change back in 2015 when I rolled off the board. And um you know, we were an advisory group to the governor legislature and state agencies about issues that impact people of african descent in the state of minnesota and so you know it's basically you know kind of working with the, uh, with lawmakers and agencies around policy and ways to improve the lives of people of african descent and then you know there's also the NAACP there's the urban league Um, You know, then there's a number of other organizations that have formed that are, you know, tackling different aspects of this, whether it's economics and and economic empowerment or on education. Um, And so when you read the study... A lot that's in this study kind of debunks a lot of the work that people have been doing. This is why I find it to be so groundbreaking, like a lot of the things that have been parroted, especially by conservatives, but also by liberals and everybody in between, black nationalists and, you know, you name it. Almost, it seems like almost everything that we've been doing, um, this contradicts what a lot of those things are. And, um, and it, it might explain why nothing has changed. <laughs> quite honestly mm-hmm.
3: well um well as a I mean as an economist with uh, expertise in uh wealth inequality I think there are four main lessons that we can pull from uh what we get wrong on uh closing the the racial wealth gap the mm-hmm. report uh one is there are large racial gaps in uh, economic well-being in the country and we could um uh, we could also say including Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one is historical drivers like redlining from 1930s to 1960s
2: mm-hmm. and the
3: GI Bill of 1944 yep. uh, contribute to sort of like wealth suppression for uh, for black Americans. Mm-hmm. The third uh, lesson is the country will not make headway on closing the wealth gaps until we start to debunk the, the myths. Uh, once we... Puncture these myths. I think we can start to focus on uh, real solutions that might be able to uh, help close the gap. Okay. And so. Then my my fourth uh, fourth lesson I think uh, take away from it I think uh, is uh, solutions um, you know for closing the gaps uh, do exist and I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about those later in the show but um, there's a there's a lesson here that however fo- focusing solely on just changing the behavior of mm-hmm. uh, African Americans will will not work. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can work uh, would be to uh, greatly build up and protect the wealth of uh, of Black
0: Americans. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, tell us a little bit, just in like uh, about one or two minutes, a little bit about your background. Like you're a native of uh, Minneapolis, correct?
2: Yes. Okay. I,
3: uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I uh, grew up grew up in uh, North Minneapolis. Okay. Um, went to school in st paul in new york and now i'm uh uh now i'm a postdoctoral fellow at um at applied economics at cornell university and uh so uh i mean my my experience in minnesota definitely shaped um uh this my 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 uh, ability to want to uh, my appetite for wanting to offer scholarship as a way to uh in improve understanding and uh and solution, help shape solutions on some of the some of the biggest issues that we face in in the country, and particularly uh, in areas of um, household financial status and asset uh, asset accumulation.
0: Well, and you're probably being a native of uh, Minneapolis, you're probably aware Minnesota, in general, ha- we're almost at the the bottom of the list in terms of almost every disparity category. We're like almost the worst or second worst, um, you know, whatever category. If we look at, you know, homeownership, if we look at, you know, uh, test scores, if we look at any number of things um, here in Minnesota, for some reason, which seems very surprising because, you know, I'm a native of South Carolina. And, you know, basically I came here and, and you know, work in the uh, corporations here like so many uh, black transplants. Um, and it's the culture is very different. It's very different here than what's in the South and so uh, I'm kind of interested in getting your uh, that, that's going to factor into these the this wealth situation um, i suspect but um for our first question so could you tell us what is the current state of african-americans in terms of income and wealth and i know that those are two different things uh... but you know what is the current state in wealth and in income according to the data and then you know in comparison to other races like how are we doing compared um... to other races and you know why is that important and why does it matter
3: right right well patrick as you uh... patwin as you had uh, mentioned that wealth is very different than uh... income uh, and uh, wealth is like a, a storage of value, value that's made available uh, from ownership of different asset types. So the storage of uh, value can be used to purchase um, a home, start a business, pay for emergency expenses uh, such as medical care or treatments that can prolong a life, start a philanthropic organization, uh, influence politicians or policy, pass affluence onto children and grandchildren, income. Is like a flow of resources made available from earning income from work or earning interest uh, from investments during retirement. So wealth and income are, are very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as you mentioned, there's a disparity in uh, home ownership rates mm-hmm. between black Minnesotans and uh, white Minnesotans. Um, less than one quarter of black Minnesotans own a home,
2: mm-hmm.
3: over uh, three quarters of white Minnesotans own a home. Uh, mm. There's a uh, there's blacks are more likely to face uh income gap in minnesota mm-hmm. uh, the median household income that's the the midpoint for blacks is around $33,000 while it's mm. around uh, $68,000 for for whites so mm. the uh is that by
0: household like so there's two incomes or just one
3: this is uh so it's, it's the household oh, the household uh, okay so okay, okay. combined okay whoever's in the household pull up the uh, pull pull together the uh, income sources and you get a a household uh, income measure okay so the interpretation is that blacks possess uh, around 50 percent of the income attributable to white households in Minnesota Mm. Um, and so I know you so that's the income side uh, but there are many stories uh, we could tell about black wealth or white wealth in Minnesota
2: Mm -hmm. just
3: aren't told because of severe data limitations The um, uh, most of the surveys on wealth are national in scope. Mm -hmm. There's only one source of disaggregated wealth information by race, ethnicity, or nation of origin, and that project is based at Duke University Mm -hmm. uh, called the National Asset Scorecard on Communities of Color. They've profiled cities like Boston, Miami, Mm -hmm. Los Angeles. Now, uh, wealth information on people in the Midwest, like Minnesota, would greatly enrich the current information that's available. But uh, there's stories we just aren't, are, aren't able to tell because of these, these data limitations.
0: All right. Well, Dr. Tony, we're going to break here. Um, so when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk a little bit about those numbers and then get into unpacking uh, the study. So this is Black Republican, Black Democrat on Twin Cities News Talk and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. And we're back. This is the Black Republican, Black Democrat show with your co-host, Patwin Lawrence, and we have on the line Dr. Jermaine Tony, talking to us about wealth and income in the African American community here in the United States. Uh, Dr. Tony, so we talked. Uh, you kind of walked us through kind of the historical narrative of kind of the, of how we got into this situation. You know, coming out of slavery, then we had Reconstruction, and we actually started making a lot of gains. We actually were for people that have come out of that position. Uh, we're kind of unique as African Americans in the advancements that we were making at that time. But then we know with, um, you know, the the North you know, compromising with the South and kicking out the troops, you know, the Compromise of 1867, and then, uh, you know, then the basically white supremacy taking, you know, charge in, uh, in the South. Uh, you know, we started to reverse backwards, and then as you move forward with Jim Crow— and then you mentioned redlining, and then there's all sorts of things that you can also talk about that happened in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s um, also in terms of, like, the drug war, for instance, um, and then moving people into these housing projects and, you know, what's all be, um, behind that. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, about the myths that are, are discussed in the paper uh, because that kind of gets into, um, I think, why... We've spent a lot of money um, and resources at trying to solve these problems and why they're not working and a lot of those things like I mentioned earlier is because you know they don't work we don't know this data or didn't at that time now we have it um so can you um talk a little bit about unpacking the uh the myths um, from this report
3: Sure, sure uh so there are some conventional ideas uh. Uh, that include um, greater greater educational attainment, harder work, better financial decisions on the part of black Americans will help to uh, close the gaps um, so one will start with uh, educational attainment mm-hmm. in the paper they say there's a that greater myth uh, there 's a myth uh, that greater educational attainment or more work effort on the part of blacks will will actually not close the um, uh, wealth gap. Mm-hmm. So we know that higher education is often referred to as this great equalizer. Uh,
0: that- yep, you're stepping on a lot of toes there,
2: because <laughs> you're supposed to do. That. That's what I heard. Like I always
0: knew I was going to college. Like there was no discussion about anything else, and because my parents went to college, and I had aunts and uncles that did the same, and you know people further back, and that was always expected because they said you go to. That's how you're going to make it in the world, right? As an African American.
3: That's right. So. Um, right, and we think of this as you, you get this education, you start making more income, and mm-hmm. you start making more wealth. Mm-hmm. So this this educa- higher education, which is uh, considered the great equalizer, is supposed to close the wealth gap mm-hmm. by, the, by the logic. However, oh, this is at the national level. Yeah. A white person with less than a high school education mm-hmm. has around $82,000 $82, net net worth. Has has more in net worth than a black person with a college education. Wow, uh, which has a median around seventy seventy thousand. So you're
0: saying so a white person with a high school diploma has about what eighty two thousand dollars? Less than it, a high school education. Oh, less than. Yeah. So what is it? What is in that eighty two thousand dollars? Because you know, so <laughs> a lot of people they like to make fun of you know poor caucasians like especially in the south you know they call them rednecks and hillbillies and you know things like that but you know the, the hobbies that they're into in terms of like hunting and fishing and uh, boating and you know those types of things the the equipment that's needed for that actually has value that's and so is that where it's coming from
3: uh, so right so this is this is net worth so yeah. this is your assets so, what you own
2: mm-hmm.
3: minus uh Debts, what yeah. you what you owe mm-hmm. so it's a it's a, like a, a net a net wealth uh, yeah. figure so uh wealth um, we know some of the assets include i mean uh just stocks bonds mm-hmm. uh mutual funds mm-hmm. home ownership um, uh, so all, all these different mm-hmm. uh, menu minus the uh the debts
2: so mm-hmm.
3: have uh, uh, medical bills, uh, outstanding medical bills, uh, credit card uh, debt, student loan debt. Mm-hmm. This is this is net of all the the debt. Yeah. Here's what your net worth net worth is. Yes. Um, and so, a person with less than a high school education has more net wealth than a black person with a college education. Mm. This this is uh, this is a net figure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think this is this is saying pretty. Pretty strongly that education uh, mm-hmm. does not appear to be the, the great the great equal. So,
0: is it because also that a uh, a lot of us, when we African Americans, when we go to school, we need loans, um, so we accumulate student debt, and so if your wealth is your you know assets minus your liabilities, then you know if you. you you know, let's say you're a, 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 an attorney, for instance, and actually the governor the—not the governor, but she's running for the governor uh, in Georgia, the um, African-American lady. She actually has been criticized for having $200,000 worth of debt, and it's questioning whether she should be the executive, you know, of the state of Georgia. And she came out, and she basically told, like, the black story, basically, where she went to school, she went to law school— and she accumulated $200,000, but her first job she made, I believe it was, she said it was like ninety-eight or or $100,000. But still there, people would just see that not knowing the debt. They are saying, oh, she's doing fantastic when really she's negative. And then she started, she had to help out other siblings because of, you know, crises that happen in, uh, in their lives. And so a lot of the money that she was making had to go to other people, and she couldn't put it towards her four hundred and one k, for instance, are you know buying stocks or you know investing it um, in real estate or, or or something else, and so I think is that part of the reason why it's not as effective for us as for other communities.
3: Wow, I'm glad you brought up the um, the link between so uh, blacks. Uh, this is clearly uh, someone who's middle class, right? She's got. Mm-hmm. Uh, higher uh, professional uh, degree, mm-hmm. and she's clearly in the middle class, yet she has family members mm-hmm. that are um, uh, facing poverty, unemployment, jarring hardship. Yeah. And this is one of the contemporary drivers of the wealth gap, and that's <laughs> the financial fate of your close relatives. Yes. So uh, this is where my own research um, is, is, is adding, looking at i 'm um, find, finding that uh black parents of the middle class
2: mm-hmm.
3: are far more likely to have to face um a poverty than white middle class families
2: mm-hmm.
3: so and i 'm also adding the uh grandparent generation hardship among mm-hmm. grandparents, parents, and siblings is mm-hmm. one of the one of the largest drivers of the mm-hmm. of the wealth gap behind um, working in a mm-hmm. professional or managerial occupation your income made over a lifetime and uh parental uh wealth holdings. So So what about um, so oh, try, trying to get you're trying to there's this there's this this contradiction. She's trying mm-hmm. to get ahead and yeah. away wealth. Yet she has uh you know uh, she has to she has these greater ten obligations. Mm-hmm. And
0: so so uh, what skews these numbers in terms of, because when I first heard of the, and, and I've been aware of kind of these wealth situation even about a year or two ago, um, unfortunately when I was on the council and in those positions where you could, you know, impact policy, I didn't know this information, unfortunately. Uh, but now that I do, you know, I, I actually struggled with it because, you know, thinking about my own uh, situation, my, I was lucky my dad paid for my college. Um, so he you know and i know for a lot of african-americans that that doesn't happen um, and then, uh, but their situation. My dad was in the military. Uh, you know, he's a high-ranking officer. My uncle was also uh, in the military, and so they went on to have second careers. So they, while they're getting their army pensions, you know, uh, which is a percentage of their what their salary was, and then they have a second, basically a second job. They, you know, their second career afterwards for like twenty years or so. And um, and so they're able. They were able to build wealth. My aunt was an executive for HP. Um, before she retired, Um, and so she was kind of like that anomaly in the sense where she just did it by uh, just one, you know, job, one role. Um, and and, And so I've been around other similar families like that, and so hearing these numbers, I was really shocked and surprised that it's very different you know um, situation and I think people who are in that and and I'm not saying I'm a 1% or anything like that that's not what I'm saying but what I'm saying in terms of African-Americans when you're you're kind of in a bubble because being from the south a lot of the people you know they have a military background they have a network where they've worked in, you know, professional careers for the government or whatever the case is. And so they're more secure. And then they have family land and property and things that have been passed on generationally. And so they're in a better position. But I noticed in the north, in the cities, it's a very different situation. Um, And so does the studies bear that out?
3: Mm. Uh,
0: Well, the difference between north-south and, you know, urban, rural, Um, suburban.
3: No. Um, I'm I'm not sure, uh, but I know that because um, you're 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 talking about family and saving and mm-hmm. um, uh, income things like that. Yeah. I know that there's mounting evidence that says that blacks do not have a, a lower savings rate than than whites yeah. once you adjust for uh, household income. Mm-hmm. You take in, you know, but, household
0: income. But but then how can we be so, behind because if we have a, a, a good savings rate, why aren't we investing that?
3: well here's the remember the um uh can obligations of a family uh, mired in poverty unemployment uh different hardship mm-hmm. so if you're uh you know if your money uh spent uh caring for 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 family members which mm-hmm. can obligations that's that's great uh mm-hmm. however it's coming at a great cost uh because um you aren't able to put that money into um the uh, stock market, uh, mm-hmm. things like that, get get return higher uh, return uh, assets, and so um, this there's this uh, this thing where we just blacks just can't get ahead, um, and whites, and so at the national level, blacks have about seven percent of the wealth that's attributable to white households. Wow. So white households generally have more resources to invest, mm-hmm. not only to invest more in home ownership but also in financial assets. Like we're talking about stocks, mutual funds, uh, wealth leads to greater wealth level, greater levels of wealth, you know, so. Um,
0: okay. OK, so, Dr. Tony, we need to go to uh, our commercial break here. But when we come back, we're going to talk about a little bit more about that and then some solutions on how to resolve these uh, problems. So this is the Black Republican, Black Democrat show on uh, on iHeartRadio.
4: Welcome back, to Republican Black Democrat, Twin Cities News Talk at twincitiesnewstalk.com. I'm your co host, Jamar Nelson. And I'm Patwin Lawrence, and thanks for making it in. I know, it's better uh, late <laughs> than never, right? Oh, my <laughs> goodness gracious. Oh, goodness. We've got Dr. James Tony on the line. Jermaine. Jermaine, I'm sorry, Jermaine Tony on the line. How are you, Doctor?
3: Hey, good. Good to hear your voice, Jamar.
4: Thank you, man. <laughs> Say, Doc, I heard all of the, the things that you and Pat want to talk about, so let me jump right into. We talk about. Uh, Inequality uh, amongst our people, uh, I think that that's a lot. That's poo pooed a lot by a lot of people when we say that there's a huge income uh, equality gap. Um, when Donald Trump is in front of every camera like he was last night, spewing oh, yes. <laughs> how how incredibly low the unemployment rate is, giving no credit to his predecessor, but spewing how late, or excuse me, how the unemployment rate uh, for blacks are, is incredibly low. But he's not talking about the wages having gone up for black folks. Is that a myth? I mean, he can talk about how the, the, African, the unemployment rate is going down, but what is more important is, isn't it the fact that, R- wages for minorities especially black folks are incredibly low now and um yes even uh so
3: there's um there's uh even when you account for educational attainment um uh b- black men for example mm-hmm. tend to be overrepresented in low wage jobs they require mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like interpersonal contact, soft skills. Mm-hmm. That we've been talking about. Uh, they also uh, there's research that also finds that black men are overrepresented, underrepresented in higher paying jobs mm-hmm. that do not require uh, like soft skills. So, black men are already located in, um, uh, I mean, service sector jobs that require and depend on these these soft skills. So even when Blacks have this educational attainment and these soft skills uh, required for employment. This does not help to close. And I know the focus of the, uh, our conversation is on the wealth gap. It does not close mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the wealth gap even when you're talking about educational attainment. So, yeah. Okay.
0: So then what about uh, – so even having greater financial literacy – um, doesn 't help because I think if we have higher savings rates than others are comparable um if we just invest some of that money, would that not um improve uh you know our our wealth status
3: right this is uh myth. <laughs> this is one of the the myths about uh, greater financial literacy right we we were already talking about um the blacks have a uh, probably similar uh savings rate to whites and maybe mm-hmm. even a slightly mild uh advantage in terms of saving, and especially when you think about the thriftiness that has to happen uh when you have kin obligations when your parent or sibling or grandparent mm-hmm. is is facing hardship so there's uh right so um, right so there's uh these claims that you know become financially uh literate this can help uh close the uh the wealth gap. But, uh, well, contrary to um, the, the conventional wisdom, there are mm-hmm. studies that are finding that even prior to the 2007-2009 ni- predatory uh, subprime mortgage lending crisis, mm-hmm. they did not find any significant difference in asset appreciation rates for households with uh, positive levels of wealth, uh, so mm-hmm. even after accounting for, for income. And this is-, is, this is in the face of ongoing um uh, lending mm-hmm. discrimination that's been documented by the Ro Wilkins Insta- uh Roe Wilkins Center and uh, mm-hmm. Institute on, on race and poverty. So uh the the idea that um once again we're starting we're talking about uh uh blacks who have already low levels of of wealth and then uh we're, we want to push this idea that uh, if they just became financially literate mm-hmm. uh they would uh you know uh, automatically grow grow their wealth mm-hmm. but uh, the report and myself uh, we're not against um, financial mm-hmm. literacy per se mm-hmm. it uh, just it does not it, the report says that financial literacy without finance is meaningless okay. you cannot transform Uh, No wealth, integrate wealth, simply by learning more about how to manage wealth. Because if
0: you have more money, that's how you make more money. So if you have a million dollars, that grows bigger than if you just have a $1,000. Yes, so then what about entrepreneurship? Because that's really something that has been, I've seen that pushed in policy circles. Um, We have a group, you know, in North Minneapolis where, you know, they they have a business incubator. And they want to get entrepreneurship. And you hear a lot of this, especially from black conservatives, uh, you know, the black capitalists, as well as also black nationalists they talk about we just need to have our own businesses. We don't need the government. We don't need—we just pool our resources together, and we just start our own businesses and buy from each other. And this is how we'll get it done. What, will that work?
3: Right, right. Uh, uh, starting businesses is uh, is, is great. Um, it's often seen as like the big—you uh, know—one of the big engines of, uh, of our of our economy. But uh, a story that's been coming out over and over is that um, entrepreneurship may be just linked to, uh, you know, we talk about upward mobility, but mm-hmm. largely what's happening is lateral mobility. Uh, if, you, if you come from a family of, of wealth here, you know, and think of, uh, think of you know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, owner of Facebook, He's he touted as self-made, but Mm -hmm. he actually got uh, over. um, He had a he had um, some he received some initial working capital from his professional father, right, Mm -hmm. in exchange for uh, shares for Facebook. Jeff mm-hmm.
2: Bezos, who started yep. Amazon
3: Jeff. in 1994, he started with a $300,000 uh, loan from his parents. Mm-hmm. So there, and Trump, Trump would be an on. example. Like, <laughs> le- le- exactly, yeah, a million dollars. Yeah, this is exactly um, this is example of lateral mobility instead of upward
4: mobility. So isn't that isn't that the problem when a lot of white folks say when they tell us to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps? And I always reply with, "At least you have the straps and the boots yeah, from the yeah. from you know from the get-go." Yeah. That's exactly what we're talking about, doctor. Uh, the fact Fact that black folks, I mean, w- where is our... And deep in our lineage, where's our where does the wealth lie? Where's our capital that Black mm-hmm. folks can use? We, I mean, yeah. we don't have much to start but with. But there are so. celebrities. That's what we always hear. The oh, celebrities,
0: celebrities just come and fund everything. But, but isn't
4: think, that? But that's why a lot of our. But students, I think that's, that's
0: a myth. I don't think they're as rich as
4: they pretend to be. Well, sure they are. And but but I think that's why a lot of our people about. are. That's why a lot of us try to be athletes because we are stride to yes. that easy, yes, somewhat fast type of wealth, right, Doctor. So yeah. I think, I, I, and I and I love the fact that you were saying just because you become financial literous, literate doesn't mean that. You're going to become a millionaire. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what they tell us, Tell especially black folks. Yes. So, doctor, is there some type of, I know that there's no one or two, three steps, but is there something that you would advise us to try to do to try to gain some type yeah. of wealth? So solutions. Right, right,
3: right. So uh one thing uh and this is universal that would impact um, address wealth inequality for the entire population but would uh uh disproportionately benefit uh, black americans who have very low levels of wealth. Uh one concrete proposal is a substantial trust fund for every asset poor american. Mm-hmm. Uh in England uh in 2003 the uh, British government created a program that deposited a certain amount of money in a trust fund for every newborn child. Oh, wow. It's called uh, Baby bonds, And these are public funds that are like the initial seeds uh, that are deposited and invested in the stock market. And then the proceeds are made available to the person when they turn 18 years of age. So once they turn 18, they can do... uh, you know i mean there's uh, some restrictions you have to invest mm-hmm. in education training mm-hmm. or continue to save for other ventures uh, this might i know uh, the authors in that report what mm. we get wrong about closing the wealth gap are um are trying to uh imagine this at at the national uh, national level okay also. And what are
0: some other, and, and while you we were talking about solutions, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about real briefly. I mean, we've got, like, about three minutes left. Do you have an, another 15 minutes you could spend? We could do a post-show that we could talk more about solutions?
3: Uh, sure. Sure.
0: Okay. Um, the, the last thing that I, uh, one of the myths in here is about the black family. I think that comes up a lot where it says, well, you're from broken homes. There's no father figure. There's this. And that's why
3: you're unable to do it. Why is that a myth? Right, right. So, uh, right, there's the myth that the cure for acid poverty is for blacks to get married. <laughs> yes. Uh, but My married, parents tell me that all the yes. time. <laughs> right on, <laughs> it, for real, get right? married, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. But actually marriage will not close the, the wealth gap. Mm.
0: Um, and for men, it ruins it sometimes. <laughs> Uh, yes. so. <laughs> if they get a divorce, <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> so to that was a joke. That was a joke. Cheaper but, to keep. Right, right.
3: So, uh, well, marriage does little to equalize wealth among white and black women with a college degree. So here's, so white women with the BA are in households that have around two and a half times the wealth of married black women with a college degree. So even being married does not help to close the the wealth gap. Married white women are in households that have around five times the wealth amount of wealth as their their black counterparts so um you know and then so there's the issue of uh okay so where you, you tell people tell blacks to get married but where are the men
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: there's a lack of marriageable men in the black community mm-hmm. due to higher uh rates of incarceration, incarceration. Mm-hmm. no doubt yeah early death Mm-hmm. Right, early death. So yep. White women have far more options to get married.
0: Yes, that's so true. That is so true. Well, uh, Dr. Tony, uh, we, for this part of it, we want to thank you for coming on. If you just hold on, we're going to do a post show and then we can talk more about solutions. Because I think this is so critical for us to you know, discuss wealth and uh, the wealth inequality because if we want to move forward, especially as African Americans in the nation, we really got to talk about what happened in the past, what got us to where we are, and then look at real solutions um, to resolving the issue.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you tune into the Post Show Podcast. I'm the late Jamar Nelson. And I'm Patlin Lawrence. Thanks for listening to us. This is Black Republican, Black Democrat on Twin Cities News Talk and TwinCitiesNewTalk.com. Bye. Bye.